chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 is where we will begin uh, today in the Word of God. And uh, thank you to everybody that was a part of what a great weekend last weekend with uh, Chili Cook-Off, um, the fellowship and the raising of funds. Our kids can do so much with that money and uh, it's, it's great to see you know, just the kids serving. It was such a good weekend. So good to have David and Sarah Bechtold with us last weekend talking about relationships that uh, just basically that, that friends help friends grow. I thought that was a great, great uh, outline that they shared. And uh, it's for our marriages, it's for everything in our life. And there was a verse that they shared. I'm just going to read this to you before we get into the book of Revelation. Uh, John 15, 15. Uh, David shared this last week. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. When he read that last week, I was just so grateful that, that we have a God, that, that Jesus said in his word, I'm not hiding anything from you. It's not like we follow Jesus and he says, oh yeah, by the way, here's some other things or we have to guess. No, he says, I want you to know everything the Father has shared with me. I want you to know everything. And that's what I love about the book of Revelation because we don't go into the end times blind. We go in with our eyes wide open. We go in and, and we know what God has in store for us. And so I want you to realize that, that when you read the book of Revelation, there's a lot of words in red in the book of Revelation, especially what we're going to look at today because it's Jesus speaking to you. And so I want you to realize that we are the friends of God, that he has good things for us, and that I believe that we are living in the end times. I stopped watching the news a while back um, and, and really uh, don't watch, don't pay a lot of attention, and, and, uh, but I do listen to a five-minute podcast every day at the beginning of the day, and it's basically a, just an overview of the top stories. So, so in five minutes, I can hear the top stories. And so yesterday morning, I turned it on, and, and here's the top story. The top story yesterday was the earthquake in Nepal and the people that had died, and we pray for Nepal and, and the landslides and everything that's going on. And so uh, we, that was story number one, earthquake. And then the second story was about these, these horrible storms that are moving across Europe and taking out uh, taking out power and streets and crippling nations and so these these terrible storms that are happening across Europe. The third story, which is probably the first story or would have been a couple weeks ago, was the war in Israel and what's happening there. And whenever you see war happening around the world, Jesus is saying all these things, earthquakes, famines, you know, floods, natural disasters, uh, war, these are the precursors of my coming. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you missed a couple weeks ago, we started talking about the end times a couple weeks ago. And all these are the beginning of the end. But when you see, and this is what's really important, when you see war in Israel, that's where it's all going to take place. When you look in the Old Testament, the New Testament, you, you look at what is coming uh, it'll all revolve around a war in Israel. And God will show up in the midst of that war and deliver his people. 
And we have to remember that, that, that Israel has been chosen by God. That, that the Jews have an everlasting covenant with the Lord. And, and I could preach on that someday, but, but we stand with Israel. We believe that, that God is at work. And, and so, uh, yeah, we believe that we're getting close to the end times with all of these things happening. I've had people tell me, yeah, I know you talk about the end times, but they talked about the end times in Bible times, and now we're 2,000 years later, and is it really the end times? And, and uh, next week I'll give you the date that Jesus is coming back. Uh, I'm just No, no, we we won't do that, I promise. But you're right, I don't know. I don't know if it's today or tomorrow or a thousand years from, I don't know, but here's here's something I do know. This past Thursday, Leslie and I uh, went to a wake of a dear friend and neighbor that we've known for many years that we loved, and I I think your age, uh, and, and... she passed away of ALS, and it was just sad. It was hard. It was just being there with her husband, and, and, uh, and we were grieving, too, because she was a good friend, and she was a good neighbor. And here's the reality. We're all going to see Jesus soon. So whether it's him coming back in the air or us being taken up to be with him or our lives, listen, 100 years from now, no one in this room, even the youngest person, is going to still be here. So we are going to stand before Jesus. We are going to give an account. So uh, whether you like it or not, you're living in the last days. We're all living in the last days. And so that's why we need to pay attention to the book of Revelation. That's why we need to take notice of what God says in his word. And we're going to do our best to walk through uh, his word. And we're going to begin in Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to begin in verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written, because the time is near. I thought about reading through the book of Revelation, uh, but it's a long book and would take several weeks to do that. So I'm going to preach through the book of Revelation, and I'm going to ask you to read the book of Revelation the next few weeks, or to listen to the book of Revelation. There's apps on your phone that you can read or listen to. It's free. Um, So I'm going to ask you to do that because we're blessed when we do. We're going to be blessed today because we are talking about the book of Revelation. We're learning from God. And some people are like, I don't want to read the book of Revelation. It scares me. Especially next week when we talk about the judgments of God. That's scary. I don't know that I want to read the book of Revelation. But listen, you don't have to be afraid. God loves you. And, and this is his love letter to you. He's sharing this is what's going to happen. This shouldn't make us afraid. It should build hope. It, it should be something that we want to share with other people. It should be something that encourages us. And so when you're studying the book of Revelation, I'll do my best over the next several weeks to give you as much as I can, but we have limited time, even looking at the clock now, there's just limited time to talk. Even if I talk for the next 35 minutes or so, we won't get it all in. And so I'm going to give you two resources that I'd love for you to get. And um, my favorite Bible is the NIV study Bible. I've used it um, forever. Uh, in teaching. My professors in seminary were some of the the people that that helped write the notes in this Bible. It's probably the highest academic 
Bible you can buy, but it's also something very readable in the charts and the maps. And um, this is my brand new version, and it's so big because I have the extra large print. And uh, I love that, right? That's, that's good for me. And I had my original one that I'd been teaching out of for 30 years, and it was falling apart. And I, was, I thought, um, I will, I'll, get a, I'll get a new cover. And I asked Leslie for Christmas, like, can I put a new leather cover on it? And it's expensive, but it's like you can do that. And when I talked to the company, they're like, your Bible is so bad. <laughs> it's falling apart. You can't, you can't put a new cover on it. So, um, so I have it up in my office, kind of duct taped together. But this is my new one. But I encourage you to get a good study Bible. And again, my favorite is the NIV study Bible. And so you can dive deep. You want to know more about uh, the places that are talked about in the book of Revelation, the things that are talked about in the book of Revelation, any book of the Bible, NIV Study Bible is uh, the best. Now, uh, I'm going to also recommend a book. And uh, Susan, thank you so much. She gave me this book uh, a few weeks back. It's called Revealing Revelation by Amir uh, Safarti. And uh, so uh, I just encourage you, I've been reading this. I want to tell you... um, it's not a, not a thick book, and uh, there is so much information on every page, and he's from that area of the world, and so it comes alive as he writes, and it was so good. I actually got the audio version so that I can listen to it in my car while I drive, and he, he reads the audio version, but he, he adds things to it. <coughs> so, excuse me, if you want to go deeper I encourage you to to grab this book, Revealing Revelation. It's on the screen. If you're watching online, it's on the screen. Hopefully, it's on the screen right now. Um, This book will help you understand the book of Revelation uh, far beyond what I teach here. So I'm going to give you my teaching on the book of Revelation or how I read it, and then you can go a lot deeper uh, with the Bible and the book. And here's the other thing, uh, probably the most important thing, a highlighter. When you're reading, highlight. Highlight in the book, highlight in your Bible, and uh, come next week with your Bibles and your highlighters because I don't want you to forget what God is speaking through his word. Just highlight it um, anytime the Lord is speaking to you through a book or or through his word. So those are some resources that will go beyond what I can teach you in the next several weeks. But um, back to the book of Revelation, let's jump back in at verse 18. It says, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. So we have Jesus, these are words of red, showing up and, and saying that I want you to write down. So, so John is on the island of Patmos. Uh, it's, it's kind of a deserted uh, island for political prisoners and John is there and he's having these these visions and he's writing them down and this is Jesus speaking to him and he says I I want you to write this down so you you can know what you need to know now and for what is to come there's some people out there that you'll hear this teaching once in a while that well everything in the book of Revelation already happened it was kind of a code book for for way back when and we don't understand it and so we shouldn't look at it Everything I read in the book of Revelation is Jesus is saying, look, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Not has happened or is about to happen, but these are the things that happen at the very end. And so we're, we're going to break the book of Revelation down into three parts as we teach through them. It won't be three weeks, but there'll be three parts. 
And, and it's this, the, the letters to the church, and, and we will do part one today, and it's important not to skip part one, because sometimes people like to say, I want to get into, uh, we want to get to the heaven part and the end times part. You can't skip the first part, because the first part is laying the foundation for part two. It'd be like going to a play and, and showing up at act two and missing them kind of laying everything out in the first act. And so uh, next week we'll start talking about the judgment of God. We'll see how far we get. And then the last chapters, uh, part three, is when he talks about the millennium, uh, the future heaven, the rain, and all of that. Next week, when we start next week, I'm actually going to uh, diagram uh, on, on a board. I don't know if we'll have a chalkboard or a paper or something up here. And I'm going to diagram all the things that we, we know are going to happen. We're going to talk about the rapture. We're going to talk about the tribulation. We're going to talk about the great tribulation. We're going to talk about the millennium. We're going to talk about Jesus' return, the judgment day. All of these things, and we're like, well, when do these things happen? When, you know, because sometimes it gets confusing because we have to put it together from all the things in the Bible. And so I'm going to draw a timeline to the best of my ability and show you where each of these things happen so that you can know, well, the next thing on the chart is this. The next thing that's coming is this, and so that, that you'll know. And so we'll do that next week and we be, when we begin chapter 4. And so chapters 1 through 3, if we could read through them, we would, but we can't. So that's your homework for this week. Read chapters 1 through 3. But Jesus is talking to the churches of Asia at this time. And so, uh, the, excuse me, I'm going to get my water real quick. Not sure what's going on this morning, but got a little bit of a tickle. probably talking too fast, so let me slow down here, because we, we are going to look at God's Word. We're going we're gonna to really sit in chapters 2 and 3 here for a moment. Jesus is speaking to churches. These are real churches, okay? They existed back then. Real people went to that. It's just like today, real churches that would, would read these letters. They are in real locations, uh, Asia back then, it's not what we think of Asia today, it was modern-day Turkey. All of these uh, cities are located uh, off the coast of the Mediterranean Sea in the nation of, again, Turkey today, but was called Asia back then. Um, so it's a real church in a real place, and it's real talk from Jesus. Everything, if you have your Bibles open, you look at chapter 2 and chapter 3, you will notice that, that those chapters are all read. It's Jesus speaking to his church. He's speaking to his church. And, and so he's saying, this is what you need to do to prepare yourself for my return. And, and so what we, have, what we have to realize is that his return throughout the Bible, it's like a groom coming for his bride. I've gone away to prepare a place for you. That's what they would do back then. When, I, when that place is prepared, I'll come back and get you and take you to myself. That's what Jesus says in the Word, okay? So he's saying, I'm going to come back. And so you got to think of these as love letters of the groom speaking to a bride, okay? That, we have to think of it that way. It's, it's a groom speaking to his bride. What do you want him to know? How many of you love getting a love letter from your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, boyfriend? I mean, just, there's something about it, right? I love love letters, Leslie will tell you. She loves love letters, and, and, and we've shared them for over 30 years now. And, and so when, when we first started dating, she worked at the college, so I would write love letters or little 
pieces of candy or something, put them on her desk before she got there in the morning. So there'd be a, a letter waiting. One morning there was a letter waiting. She was so excited because it said Leslie on the outside. What you probably don't know is that me and my mom have almost identical handwriting. And again, I'm not sure how that happened. I don't know if my handwriting is very feminine or hers is very masculine. I don't know. But but we have almost the same handwriting, and she thought it was from me. And she was so excited. Oh, a love, <coughs> excuse me, a love letter from Daryl. <coughs> I'm talking fast again. I'm talking about Leslie, I get excited. <laughs> Slow down. Here we go. But she, she opened it, and she realized it was from my mom. And the sheer disappointment that came over her. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, so it, it's the groom speaking to the bride. It's a love letter. But here's the thing, this is really important today, is real churches in a real place, real talk from Jesus, but it's also for you today. Okay, so we're going to look at each of these churches, but I want you to think of it like a mirror, that if Jesus was here, he'd be talking to you. Okay, so, so uh, we, sometimes we need to look in the mirror, right? And so these letters are a mirror of God's word to us. And so let's begin um, the church at Ephesus. And so in chapter 2, if you have your Bibles open, in, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, it says, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. Let's jump down to verse 4. Yet I hold this against you, that you have forsaken the love you had at first. Considered how, you have, how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. It's interesting that the first love letter is a letter to a church that lost its first love. And he has to say, you guys are great. Man, you do all the right things. And in Ephesus, that church was the biggest church in the world. you got to think, Paul planted it, Timothy pastored it, John comes right after the Apostle John who's right. So the Ephesian church is the biggest church. It's, it's probably the most prosperous church. It's the most developed church. They probably do all the right things. But Jesus says, you've lost your first love. Come back to me. What Jesus is telling them is that you're too busy. You're too busy. You're doing all the right things. You're just too busy. See, sometimes if we put the mirror up to us, it's like, yeah, I want to do good things. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good pastor. And, and God's like, I want you to be my friend, right? That, that I need to be in love with Jesus. I need to be close to him first. When I'm close to him first, then I'm a good dad, a good husband, a good pastor. You know, it's like he's saying, come back to the beginning, right? The Bible talks in the Old Testament, New Testament about breaking up fallow ground. What that means is like hard ground. You got to kind of dig it up. If you want to plant something to reap something, you got to kind of dig up that the the fallow ground. And when Ezekiel is talking about the end times, he's talking about people that have a heart of stone. And he says, ask me and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And we don't want our, our hearts to get hard towards God. Because sometimes we get so busy in life doing the good things, right? 
taking care of business, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And we miss out on being close to Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, come, repent, come back to me. And, and, and come back to your first love. It said it is in verse, um, verse 7 here. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in, par- which is in the paradise of God. It's like, come back to me. You're going to be with me forever. It's like, uh, Jesus says, whoever stands to the end will be saved. And so he says, just come back to me. Smyrna is the next church. And so we'll jump down to verse 10. And it says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison, will test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you a life as your victor's crown. They're commended, if you read the entire section, they're commended for their faithfulness, but they are going to go through hard times. Don't give up. Again, those who persevere to the end, they'll be saved. Don't give up in hard times. Don't be afraid. And I believe, like, if we got to the bottom line of this church, he's saying, I want you to be faithful. Stay faithful. And, and so if we put that mirror up to us today, it's like, stay faithful. Whatever God's asked you to, to do, don't grow weary. Keep going. Be faithful. It's going to be hard. People are going to talk about you. They're going to persecute you. But stay faithful to the end, and I promise you new life. That's, that's what he's speaking to that church. The next church is Pergamum. And, and, and they started really good. Like They withstood the persecution. They started so strong, but now they're starting to drift a little bit. They're, they're starting to walk away from the truth. They're, they're letting some false teaching get in. And, and, and so I'm going to use the word drift, that this church is beginning to drift just a little bit. And that's what happens in life, right? We, we, we get busy, we're, we're trying to do the best, but how many know that if you just put a boat out in the middle of the lake, it's going to drift one way or the other. It's going to just aimlessly drift. And, and God says, I don't want you to drift. I don't want you to walk away from me. I am calling you to come to me. Verse 16, repent therefore, otherwise I will come soon and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. I don't, I don't, want, I want, I don't want God fighting against me, right? I, I want to be on his side. And, and so uh, if they repent, God says in verse 17, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you hidden manna. I'm going to provide everything you need. Don't drift. Don't, 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 go, don't go your own way anymore. Come back to me. The next church is uh, Thyatira, and that begins in verse uh, 19. It says, I know the deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating and drink or and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. So it begins really good. Like, yeah, you guys are doing great. You know, keep up the good work. All these things are good. However, you're tolerating this prophetess that is leading people astray. And and that word tolerated kind of stood out to me is that sometimes in life. We tolerate, tolerate some things that we shouldn't. We have hidden parts of our life, like everything else is really good. I know that's completely messed up, but I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to shove it in the closet, sweep it under the rug. I'm not going to deal with it. Uh, you know, I'm just, it's, we're going to tolerate it. 
all the, everything else is good. And again, that's when you look good on the outside, right? But there's those things that we tolerate in our life. And he's saying, don't tolerate those things that are not of me. And he's saying that in these last days, we can't tolerate things and just like, oh yeah, that's okay. I, I'll, I'll, I'll think about that some other time. No, he's saying, no, be faithful to me. Persevere in the truth is what he says in this passage of Scripture. Uh, the next, um, next one is uh, Sardis, the church at Sardis. Um, and that begins in <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. Uh, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and, and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Jesus has to yell at this church, wake up, wake up. Sometimes if we hold that mirror to us, we got, got to say, hey, wake up, wake up. The, the time is coming, we're nearing the end. You need to wake up. I did that last night and, and an older gentleman whoop, woke up right when I clapped, but it was kind of funny. Don't tell him I said it, but, but he woke up. We need to wake up. So when I think about waking up, that tells me that sometimes I go through the motions. Have you ever just gone through the motions? Just going through the motions of life? Every day is the same. Just keep going, going, going. Jesus is saying, wake up. I've got something for you. I've got something for you to do. I've got something you're called to do. Uh, don't, don't drift. Don't sleepwalk. Repent. Remember me. Remember what I said. Listen to me. Obey me. Follow me. And he promises that forever we will be in the book of life with him. The next church is the church of Philadelphia. Jumping to verse 8. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. This is, a, this is a good one. There's no rebuke here in Philadelphia. It's like, man, he's commended them for their deeds, keeping God's word, not denying him. And, and he, he says, what I want you to do is keep my word. Now, that word keep in the Greek, he talks about, it's a tight grip. He's like, hold on to my word. Get a tight grip on my word. Because if we don't get that tight grip, that's when we start falling away. That's when we start kind of doing our own thing. We have to get that tight grip on God's word because God has a lot of promises in this word for us. And we've got to get a tight grip on it and, and we hold on because he is coming soon to take us to our new home. And so we hold on to his word. The last church is the church at Laodicea, probably the church that we're most familiar with because there's so many familiar verses in this section, but I'll begin at verse 15. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich and have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. 
I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Familiar words, you're neither hot nor cold. What he's basically telling them in the Greek is you're stale. You're stale. I, I was like, how do I, how do I explain this? And, and so... Uh, I, I don't drink coffee, I drink tea. I love tea. I drink hot tea and cold tea. I love iced tea and I love hot. I, I just, I love tea. And so I came to my office yesterday and, and sitting at my desk, I had forgotten that I had some iced tea in a cup on my desk. It's probably been there about a day and a half. And, and I go in and there's little things floating on the top and you're just like, I don't think I'm going to have that tea right? I'm going to throw that tea out. That tea would probably make me sick. He's saying, you're lukewarm. You're stale. Why are they stale? Because they're trying to do everything themselves. They're trying to, they're like, look how rich we are. Look how powerful we are. Look at, look at all that we have. Look at, I got everything. I look at me, look at me. And, and God's saying, you're a mess. You don't have anything. You think you can look in a mirror, dude. That's what Jesus is saying. You don't have anything. And a lot of times, especially living here in America, we think, man, we're strong, we're powerful. Listen, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Look, it's not about your wealth. It's not about your strength. It's not about your influence. And if you think it is, man, you might make it through this life, but it's going to be stale. And it's going to be, you know, and God's like, just get out of here. It's like, I want you hot or I want you cold. Basically, I can, hot tea, soothing. Cold tea, refreshing. I want to use you, God says. I, I want you to be one or the other for me. And, and I don't want you to be stale just doing life on your own. Because you're not going to make it doing life on your own. You might make it to the end of life. But I'm talking about forever here. I'm talking about Jesus coming back. I'm talking about what you were made for. So we don't want to grow stale. We go to God. God, I need you. That, that should be our prayer every single moment. God, I need you. What's on your mind, God? I, I want your heart today. And, and again, instead of doing it on our own strength, we've got to go to God's strength. Because the famous verse comes in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Probably the most famous verse in all the chapters we looked at today. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Remember what the context of this is. It's a groom speaking to his bride. I stand at the door and knock. Will you open it so that we can sit down together and have a meal and and fellowship, and, and be in love, and, and be in friendship, and, and will you open that door? That's the heart of God in this, that, that he's saying, I want that relationship with you. I, I want that promise that I've given you. I want you to, to repent and, and come back to me. If we hold up the, the mirror today, there's five things that we learn um, from what Jesus is speaking to the churches. And 
You can write these down or take a picture of the screen if you want, but, but, it's, but it's these five things. God wants our faithfulness to the truth. He just wants us to be faithful to the truth. God has given us his word. He has spoken to us, and he wants us faithful to the truth of his word. Okay? So he's, every time they start to drift, every time they start to do their own thing, every time they start to tolerate something, he says, no, come back to me. In these last days, you come back to me. As you prepare your hearts, whether it be that you're going to see him or he's coming to see you, be faithful to the truth. The next one is God wants you to flee the things that are not of him. Don't tolerate anything that is not of God in your life. Don't hide it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Deal with it. He says, repent, come back to me. Flee those things that are not of him. The next is, don't try to do it on your own. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't try to do life on your own. Don't try to do eternity on your own. That one won't work for sure. But don't try to do it on your own. We learn that God wants a relationship with us. And in these, these seven, just, I don't know when you say, love letters to the church, he says, I, I just I want a fellowship with you. I want friendship with you. It starts with, with the church at Ephesus. Like, come back to your first love. It, it ends in Laodicea. I'm knocking at the door. Open the door for me. He, he's sharing his heart with the church. I just want a relationship with you. It's all God ever wanted. I'll just, I'll just insert this here. Uh, wasn't planning on talking about this, but what's interesting when you look at the Word of God from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, the, the Bible begins in a garden and it ends in a garden with the tree of life. And all God ever wanted was in that original garden to walk and be with Adam and Eve. That's all he wanted. That's what they were created for. And in the last part that we'll get to it in, in a week, I don't know what week we'll get to, we'll get to it. It might be Christmas or New Year's, I don't know, but we'll get there. Is that we're, he wants us to walk in a garden with him forever. Did you know at the end of the book of Revelation, heaven's gate is left wide open? Right? Because the enemy's been destroyed. He's already defeated, but at this point, he's just, so the gate's open, we're walking with Jesus. That's all God ever wanted was relationship. That's all he ever wanted. He wanted us to, to go home to him. Think of the best wedding reception you've ever been to, great food, the music, eating, drinking, celebrating, dancing. He's like, that's what I want with you. And, and so we, we, he just wants a relationship with us. That's what he wants. So that was the Fourth one, the fifth one, is he wants us to be ready for his return. That's why we start here. He says, I want you to repent. I want you to be ready. I want you to have your mind right. I want you to have your heart right. I want you to have your life right. Because it says in Ephesians 5, 27, he wants to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. He says, I, I want to, I'm getting my bride ready. That's why he starts here. This is why we start here before we look at judgment and everything else. Like We start here because he's getting us ready for his return. He wants that relationship. We've got to turn to him. So how do we do that? 
Okay, how do we do that? I want to look at a, just a passage from the book of Hosea because the children of God, this, this might be the most important thing I say all day, but in Hosea, the, the, the children of God are so far away from God and, and God's calling them back to himself and, and the people realize that they're far from God. And so uh, Hosea chapter six, uh, beginning of verse one, um, these are the children of God saying, come, let us return to the Lord for he has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us, and on the third day, he will restore us, and we will live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come like the rain, the winter rains, like the spring rains to water the earth. Saying, let's return to God. we got to go back to him. We'll, we'll, we'll make the sacrifice. We'll repent. You know, and, and God's faithful. He'll do it. And we know he'll do it. So they're coming back to him. And when you first read this passage of scripture, you're like, that's great. They're coming back to God. This is really good. And God's like, I don't want any of this. And you know why? Because look what they say right there in the middle. They basically are saying, hey, we'll go back to God. And in two or three days, it'll all be good again. Like, we'll, we'll make our sacrifice, we'll say the right things, and then God, God will take us back, and then we can go back to whatever we're doing. That's basically what they're saying here. Two or three days, it'll all be good. God isn't looking for a sacrifice. He says in verse 6, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. It's like, I don't care what you put in the offering. I don't care what you say. I want your heart I want your heart. Don't just say, okay, I'll do this and this and this and this, and then everything will be good. It'll all be good. You think about marriage. If you're just like, okay, I'll do this, 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 and this, and then you got to love me. Or these churches, you just start doing everything on your own or getting caught up or too busy. Or It's like, God's like, I don't want that. I don't want the flowers and the candy. I want your heart. I want you. I don't, I don't need your offering. I want you. I don't need you to show up. I want you. I want, I want you. That's why Paul says in, in Philippians 3.10, I, I just want to know Christ. Everything else is garbage. Everything else is worthless. I just want to know Jesus. That's, that prepares you for the end times. I just want to know Jesus. It says in James 4, 8, if you seek me, you will find me. Just that, that when we move towards God, he, he draws near to us. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me when you find me, when you seek me with all your hearts. It's a, it's a hide and seek game with God. And some of you are like, oh, great. Hide and seek. God's out. I got to find him. He's so hard to find. I mean, I've been looking my whole life and I can't seem to find him. Listen, that's not what it's saying here. This is like a, like a father with a child. I remember when the boys were little and we play hide and seek. How many of you know when you play hide and seek with kids, um, you hide, but you don't really hide, right? It, the, the goal isn't to not be found and hide and seek with kids, right? We hide behind things that we're bigger than. So I hide behind this pulpit, right? <laughs> Can't see me, can you, right? 
And the kids think, oh, I found them, right? At home, when you hide behind something that they can find you, you, you let your legs stick out or something like that because you want them to find you, right? That's a whole part of hide and seek. And, and it's not just the parents, the kids too, because when, when you're getting close or you oh, I can't find them, where are they? And all of a sudden you hear a little giggle um, or you see a little hand waving or, you know, just something, because they want to be found. Listen, God wants to be found. Just look for him. All the things we've talked about. He's like, hey, I'm right here. Every day, God, where are you? I'm right here. I'm hiding, but I'm not really hiding. <coughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead and bow your heads and your hearts with me. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Let's just pray for a minute. Let's just draw near to the Lord for a moment. Just have some time with him. We don't, we, our time is really slipping away today, but we just want to let the mirror just stay there in front of us for a moment in this time of prayer because um, sometimes it's hard to look in the mirror. And I'm not, I'm not talking like physically now and looking at yourself in the mirror, but Sometimes it's hard to confront some things that we need to get right. Like we're too busy. Or we're just going through the motions. Or we've just grown stale. Or we've, we've tolerated something we shouldn't have tolerated. And <clears throat> when we're looking into that mirror, you want to turn away and you don't want to deal with it. But today, Jesus, this is a love letter to you. Jesus isn't angry with you. Jesus isn't mad at you. He's not hiding out from He's right here in words and red speaking to you like, hey, I'm right here. Come to me. Don't try to do it on your own. All I've ever wanted was your heart. All I've ever wanted was you. He's calling you to himself. That's the most important thing to do to prepare for the end times is to allow him to draw you to his heart. To realize that there is someone coming back to get his friend. That you are not alone. That you don't have to do everything on your own. That you don't have to be afraid anymore. That he loves you and he's got you on your best day and your worst day. He loves you. He's always loved you. He will always love you. He will pursue you. So don't look away today. Look to Him. You can't clean yourself up for Him. Come to Him and allow the Holy Spirit to be at work inside of you. He's the one that cleans up. He, he doesn't say, figure this out and then get back to me. He says, no, just come to me. <clears throat> Repent, turn, come to me. I'm 
So Jesus, in these final moments, in the quietness in your house, we return to our first love. We ask your forgiveness for running away or trying to do it on our own or getting too busy or too stale. Lord, we're just done striving. We just want to be your friend. We just want to walk with you in the garden. Just to be with you, Jesus, now and forever. Lord, you have our heart. God, you have my heart. Just tell the Lord that he has your heart today. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. We open the door and invite you in for fellowship. In the end, you are our only hope. This is the good news. Thank you for loving us so well today and every day. Lord, I pray in the weeks to come, as we dive in deep, that we would not be afraid, but that we would realize the hope that we have in you. Lord, speak to us through your word these weeks ahead, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.